July 31st, 2019, the trade deadline, and today was an active one. The Nationals acquire three new relievers, taking a weakness and turning it into a lesser weakness. We discuss their trade deadline approach. Plus, the Nationals lose two of three at home to Atlanta, putting them six and a half games back in the NL East. Is the division out of reach? From Bethany Beach, Delaware, this is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hello there, friends, and welcome to a special Wednesday edition of, well, let's call it a special trade deadline edition of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. And uh, so, as we mentioned, the trade deadline was today. Uh, Also today, the third and final game of the Nationals-Braves series, a key series in which the Nationals dropped two of three, including a heartbreaker today in which they came back with two runs in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game at four and Sean Doolittle gave up a leadoff or not a leadoff a go-ahead home run to Josh Donaldson in the 10th Nats lost 5-4 they're now six and a half back uh, and from where I'm standing I think that just about ends any realistic or reasonable shot at the division I think if they'd won today I'd put their the division odds four and a half games back at about thirty percent, with a loss I'd say about fifteen percent. Uh, I called it about a fifteen percentage point swing. It's a big game; they couldn't pull it out. Uh, it's very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, going into the series, uh, when one of your games is started by Eric Fetty, who has looked not who looked not good last night. Um, no. That's an understatement. Yeah, but uh, uh, as I, I looked up on Twitter, it was uh, the ninth worst start in Nationals history by game score with a game score of four. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, if you remember the Jason Marquis start, which he didn't get an out, gave up seven runs. That had a game score of 13. Hmm. So this was worse than that. Well, um, so, yeah. So with that game, you hope to take two of three because you have Corbin, you have Sanchez, you're three, four. Well, in your ideal situation, you're three, four, right? Um, but you know they're still good starters, and Sanchez looked pretty bad today. Um, was dealing with, you know, he was in the zone, but that was part of the problem. He was getting hit hard, lots yep. of base hits, um, and so the Nats, yes, sitting six and a half back. I kind of agree that this kind of might be the division with that one. Listen, it's not. It's not over. It's not over. We're still. It's now August. Well, it's going to be August, and. Two months, the Nats could certainly make up six and a half games. You know, there's still a lot of time left. We still have seven head-to-head left. Seven head-to-head. And so there's definitely enough time to pass the Braves. But, you know, I it's, think realistically, it, right. the wild card is the better shot yeah, for us. It, it's not a likely – it's not something you should be gunning for mm-hmm. uh, in terms of making trades. Although well, that's, that's over now. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about that because that's the other big story. Um, right. Today, the Nats made three trades. Two, I don't know how it worked where it was three different trades or two trades they or whatever. They traded for three players. Traded for three players. They got Daniel Hudson from the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Ronis Elias. Ronis Elias. Ronis Elias uh, from the Seattle Mariners and old friend Hunter Strickland from the Seattle Mariners as well. Old foe, new friend. Exactly. Well, now a friend. Yes. Indeed. Any any enemy of Bryce Harper is a friend of ours. Yes. I, maybe give him number 34. Who knows? That would be fantastic. That would be, that fantastic. Would be the pettiest thing I'd ever seen. And I uh-huh. love it. Um, so, 
you know, you look at those guys and you're like, who? Um, Will Lee Evans. Exactly. That's who. Uh, but these are not big names, to say the least. Um, Strickland is probably the biggest name, not only because he's the longest last name, but he's had a lot of That's success. That's a good point. Yes, he's got yeah. 10 letters in his last name. Hudson only has six, and exactly. Elias five. But Strickland has had the, probably the most success as a reliever out of, out of the three. Uh, Hudson was a former starter who was recently converted in 2015 to a reliever. Um, Elias, Elias, or whatever. Um, also a swingman type. Also a swingman type. Uh, Strickland's pure reliever has had good success uh, with the Giants in the past, but got cut by them after last season, partially because of his attitude. He punched a locker and broke his hand and missed two months, or punched a wall. Um, and I think we know about his temper. Uh-huh. Uh, he holds he, grudges. Yes. But, um, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting, these moves. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't call them interesting. I would actually describe them as the opposite. They are well, the yeah. bare minimum that the Nationals could do here. Uh, the Nats, as buyers, had a problem where their bullpen was ungodly terrible. We're talking catastrophic, cataclysmic, you know, we all know. historically bad. Uh, I'm running out of adjectives. But uh, they addressed that, but they didn't address it in a uh, particularly... Meaningful. No, they addressed it. It's not that they didn't do it in a meaningful way. It wasn't flashy mm-hmm. in the slightest. And the players that they got aren't great. No. Uh, Strickland has missed a ton of time this year. Yeah, he's with, only played two games. Yeah, he hasn't pitched since the Mariners were in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and that was in early March. Yeah. Uh, then Elias has been sort of in and out of the rotation. He's, he was the closer for a very bad Mariners team uh, when they were sort of doing a closer by committee after Strickland went down. Uh, and then Hudson, he's got a three ERA now. He's stranding a whole bunch of base runners. He's also doing very well in uh, inherited runner situations. But uh, you know, he's got multiple-time Tommy John. Uh, he's... Not really a reliable option. Uh, he's got that three RA. It, it, you know, the FIP is much higher. The peripherals are not so great. The stuff is still very good, but he hasn't had an ERA under three or under four even since 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are guys, you know, the Nats did not give up very much. They gave up uh, for Hudson. They gave up... Uh, Kyle Johnston, uh, who's a right-handed pitcher, was a like a double leg outside of the the top thirty prospects for the Nets. Yeah. For uh, Elias and Strickland, uh, they gave up Aaron Fletcher, uh, Elvis Alvarado, and Taylor Gullibo. Uh Only Gullibo, uh is a name that you might recognize. He's he's the uh, top fifteen prospect in the Nats system. Which isn't saying much. The Nats system is... Top 15, I think he's top 30. I think he was like 27th. No, he was uh, 15th. Oh. Yeah, he's not... The Nats system is... Is very weak. Right, behind... uh, And that's that's what was part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Nats do not have a lot of depth in their farm system. Uh, So these guys, they're going to be better than the, the float Sam and Jet Sam that the Nats bullpen is currently comprised of, but... These aren't sure things by any stretch of the imagination. I would be happy if their ERA for the rest of the season stood somewhere around four, uh, mm-hmm. which again 
much better than what the Nats have, but this is not going to create a good bullpen. No. It'll just save them from being so, abysmal. I like to describe these trades as, as August trades. These are trades that teams make in the month of August when they still have the, the uh, waiver deadline. Right. Um, you know, none of these guys, all these guys are guys who would have passed their waivers. Um, and so these aren't trades that really, yeah, as, as you said, they make an impact. But I do think they're the best that Rizzo could do under the restrictions he was given. Um, he was, I mean, honestly, with the, the management, I mean, learners didn't want to go over the luxury tax. Right. And he had an objection of getting a, a goal of getting three relievers. Right. And there's not many ways to get three relievers when you have zero prospects and zero money. And so this is the best that he could do under the restrictions he was given. Now, see, I disagree with that. I think that there were ways that you could have made something happen to get creative. The, the problem with these moves is that, sure, the Nats have improved by taking a glaring weakness and, t- and turning it into a weakness, but not one that stands out. Uh, and that's important uh, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, losing games with your bullpen is exhausting uh, and really demoralizing. But more than that, uh, it was such a a bad position for the Nats that basically anything they did was going to improve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't even you know make the the biggest trades in the bullpen in division. Even as they improved in the bullpen, the Braves added three pitchers, each of whom is better than anyone the Nats acquired. Yeah, but those guys cost more to get. Melanson cost $14 million this year and next year, which the Nats couldn't have done. Well, they could have, but they weren't going to. Right, $18 million total for yeah. Melanson. Um, uh, the Chris, Chris Martin, Martin cost a top 10 prospect, Colby which Allard. is probably better than anyone we have in our system. Right. other than... Yeah, the yeah. one prospect that we have. Exactly. And then um, Shane Green trade, we probably could have matched if we had been willing to top with the top two or three prospects, maybe. The, the reason that, that the Green trade went the way it did is because the uh, the Tigers held on to him for too long and seemed to have lost all their bargaining leverage and the Nats had to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Mike Rizzo said in his comments today, uh the prices, the asks on relievers were uh, ridiculously high. Ridiculously high up until the last minute. Yeah, and you could see that. I mean, guys like Drew Pomeranz and uh, and Ray Black got a top three prospect from the Brewers system, right? Mauricio Dubon. But yeah. I mean, it's that's not the point. The point is that this team, as constructed, is. I think that. Both the learners and Mike Rizzo have done sort of a poor job understanding the urgency of the Nats situation. The Nats are built on old starting pitching. Uh, the Nats are built on a 35-year-old star- – I mean the next season, uh, 2020, the Nats will bring back a 35-year-old starting pitcher and Max Scherzer on whom all of their hopes rely – uh, as well as, you know, if he doesn't opt out, a 31-year-old starting pitcher in Strasburg who has a history of arm injuries, although he's been healthy, knock on wood, so far this season, uh, a 30-year-old starter in Patrick Corbin, uh, and a 36-year-old starter in Anibal Sanchez. Uh, 
each one of those players is going to be getting a year older uh, and a year closer to injury or decline, which isn't to say it's going to happen next year. But the point is, this is an old team. It's currently in a position to at least contend, if not win it all this year. Obviously, the Dodgers are very good, and there are a lot of good AL teams. But we're talking about a team that needs to be in win-now mode. And the Nats had one chip they could play in Carter Keeboom. And they they really did need not only three relievers, but a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, the ideal would be to get a good starter. Uh they were apparently, according to uh, Barry Savluka of the Post, looking into a fifth starter sort of stopgap. Which until, would have been fine. Which would have been fine. It I would have, been, been I would have taken move. that. Yeah, that would have been right. a good move. Listen, I don't disagree with you about them missing on a starter. I think there were guys out there, Tanner Rourke and... and they weren't going to bring Rourke. Well, they back. weren't going to bring Rourke back. No way. That was obvious. But Mike Leak. I think Mike Leak. I was talking about you this before the deadline, but Mike Leak would have been a perfect fit for us. Yeah. He's getting paid a lot by the Cardinals still. The Mariners still ate most of his salary this year. Right. And it didn't cost him that much to, no. to, to get him. Not in terms of prospects. It's not in terms of not prospects. Terms of, yeah. So there was no reason why the Nats couldn't have gotten Mike Leak. Absolutely. And Leak, who has a 4-4 ERA this year, is an innings eater, would have been perfect for us. Sure. And I, and, I and still that. paid next year, and he would have been a perfect fifth starter for next year. Right. So that's I, I do fault them for that. I do very much fault them, but I don't fault them for the moves that they did make. Well, so here's my problem. The Nats have the one asset for the future asset in Carter Keeboom. Uh, the Nats labeled him untouchable, and... There's, you know, reason for that. There's a rationale to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously you've got Rendon, who uh, may not come back next season. It's looking more and more like he'll test the market, which doesn't say that he won't test the market and eventually come back here. It's just a little troubling that they haven't been able to get a deal done with a guy who, you know, for the most part, obviously with Scott Boris as your agent, you're not going to prioritize uh staying in one place generally, uh, but, uh, you know, has made very public overtures towards wanting to come back. But uh, the problem here is that they've got the one asset for the future in Key Boom, and, you know, it's a good one. It's the type of thing that could headline a package that could get them a very good starter, and multiple relievers. And I was looking at, you know, maybe Mike Miner and, and before Chris My- or Chris Martin was traded, you could package Miner, Martin, and Jose LeClerc. Or, uh, you know, you could additionally uh, look into Robbie Ray would have been an excellent fit. I don't think that that trade package you were talking about yesterday, the Robbie Ray, uh, Andrew Chafin, and um, uh, Archie Bradley – Keep it wouldn't have been enough. We don't have enough for that package. I think you can find a way to make it work. No, I did you see the package they wanted for the Yankees for Ray? They were asking for top for like multiple top prospects for Ray. We couldn't have matched that. Maybe not. Uh, no. The thing is, is but I don't know that we were even really trying in that market. Uh, and I think no. the problem is this team. I don't want to say they're on their last legs because I don't know that. You know, there's no there's no sense. There's no indication that. Older starting pitchers, you know, 
stay healthy or stay good less than younger starting rotations. Younger starting pitchers break down all the time. It's a fickle position. Uh, but every time you're in a position to win with a roster like the Nats have, I think you have to maximize it. Uh, and these trades were very safe. They gave up nothing, and they got, for the most part, nothing. I mean, the nothing that they got is better than what they have. It, I don't want to say it's solidified a bullpen, but it will make it much less painful to watch things in the, the later innings. Even if the guys they got aren't great, uh, they're better than what they have. And I, I want to be clear, even the quote-unquote great relievers that moved uh, really are not so great. This is not. This was a very, you know, very much a seller's market for relievers, mostly because there weren't a lot of great relievers to be had. I mean, the look. If you look at the Braves' acquisitions, the Braves traded for Mark Melanson, they traded for Chris Martin, and they traded for Shane Green. Shane Green's FIP is almost triple his 113 ERA, which is admittedly impressive, but. Uh, he was terrible the year before. Like five ADRA last year. Right. Uh, he's not a guy who blows you away with his stuff. He's not a great reliever. You know, he reminds me of is Justin that? Wilson. Interesting. Why? I mean, then uh, just the type of guy that kind of shows up and gets traded, and like everyone's like, "Oh, big guy," and then kind of fades out. I feel like that's the kind of guy Shane Green will be. Maybe he'll, he'll be a big trade at the deadline, and then people forget about him quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a lockdown closer. And no. Martin, you know, he was pitching in Japan last year. Melanson has been Better. injured or or bad for most of the last two years. Yeah. This year, he's been okay. Yeah, uh, it's it's not as though I mean, even Sam Dyson. Dyson was cut by his you know his Rangers team in in the spring of twenty eighteen. Well, terrible then. Yeah, he got a lot better over the last two years. That's true, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying each one of these relievers that were traded has big question marks. There was no, sure, there was no Kimbrel. There was no. I mean, obviously Kimbrel was available as a free agent, but there was no Chapman, yeah, uh, or uh, Andrew Miller available. Well, there was Felipe Vasquez, but the the we price is them. Yeah, no, the price even even with Keyboom, I don't think the Nats could have pried Vasquez away. No. Uh, I mean, right, rightly so for the Pirates, I think. And that's the right move. Ask for the moon for Vasquez. You don't need to trade him right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I never know what the Pirates are doing. They don't seem to have much of an organizational strategy. Nope. It's, they, it's, roll it, the dice and see what happens. I just, I still cannot believe that they traded their ace starter because they thought they were going to rebuild, were in surprise contention last year and said, whoops, and then got a much worse starter for a much bigger return which yes. is just i mean i understand the the impulse to go whoops on that one uh-huh. because losing is never fun but that was just terrible yeah. it was just really bad play yeah. um uh really bad evaluation of what you had on your team and really bad evaluation of the guy you were bringing in mm-hmm. uh i mean it's just this i mean these guys they're they're guys they're warm bodies, which is better than what the Nats had. But, I mean, it's just 
it's so disappointing. There's nothing to get excited about here. No. And the Nets. I mean, you hear this all the time from from at least when I watch MLB Network. They say like you're in the clubhouse and you hear your team gets this guy and it really ignites your your the clubhouse. And the Nats didn't get that guy. The Nats yeah. got guys who will again August trade guys, guys on waiver claims, pretty much. And I mean, you want to talk about this not being a show of confidence? I don't, I don't think that that's really the right. Way no. to look at it. I think it was conservative, but not for that purpose. But it mm. certainly doesn't scream to this clubhouse that you know management believes in you. Uh, it's not like you can say, "Oh, look, we got Hunter Strickland for the stretch run because we really believe this team can go places." And and listen, there are reasons to be cautious. This team is probably not going to win the division. Uh, I mean. As we've said. Yeah, as we've been over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are arguments that a wild card spot, even a first wild card spot, even with Max Scherzer on the mound, although that's no sur- sure thing at this point. Uh, I think we'll be back by October. I mean, it's you don't know how these things will linger. Nope. He's a 35-year-old man. Uh, back issues don't always go away. Uh, but especially high back. We're not talking about – and we're talking about – near the scapula which is connected to the shoulder i'm no uh you're no doctor orthopedist or guy who knows that song but uh it's not good uh but you know there there are convincing reasons to say going all out for a wild card spot isn't a thing that you should do uh i think that that's a sign of a failure of a wild card spot or of the wild card generally uh, to ignite competition, as we've seen over the past couple of years. But regardless, the you know the Nats are working within that system. Uh, but that all being said, these guys are not impact relievers by any stretch of the imagination, and the Nats didn't get any impact guys. Uh, they just made a glaring weakness into a regular old weakness, which isn't something that fires people up. Uh, and, and, you know, they've got the benefit of the fact that none of the other teams really competing for a wild yeah. card made flashy moves. I mean, the sort of biggest move. Yeah, let's go on to that. Yeah, that's Let's start it. talking about the biggest move. So 4 p.m. rolls, you know, right. wasn't very exciting. Kind of thought this was a very disappointing trade deadline. And right. then and I had a rant all prepared. About I did how, too. Yep. But no, nope. I was watching MLB Network, and they were like, "Man, no one wants to go for it anymore." And then, oh, yeah, a lot, happened. a lot happened. So, I don't know. I think this is pretty exciting. I think the, the you know the Zach Greinke trade was the biggest game changer. Obviously, he's the best player right. to get moved. Um, and I think with that, it makes the Astros the biggest threat in baseball, hands down. Not even close. I mean, yes. Obviously. I mean, they also improved their bullpen with uh, bringing Brignani. Bijini, uh, I always thought the G was silent. We're not talking about Ar- uh, Andreas Bargiani. Whatever. Um, Joe Bijini. Bijini, he's Italian. Um, what all Italians look the same to you? Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sanchez. I don't know how they use him. Either bullpen or starter. They obviously think they can fix him, mm-hmm. and they're maybe not wrong. They just need to tape his hand up a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has the worst DRA in the American League this year. So. Yeah. So lots to fix. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, the Astros with that cranky trade that can't came out from left field. No one was really reporting on that. And John Hughes, a pitcher, not a left fielder. Yeah, true. Idiot. Um, but the I mean the thing was with this trade deadline, I really I, I have a hard time finding a bad trade for either side. I think every team that made a trade made a good trade. I think that the really interesting thing is that we saw a lot of teams go buy sell, mm-hmm. and I don't remember ever seeing that at the trade deadline. And I it certainly was not what I expected. Uh. But there are a lot of teams that are sort of on the periphery that decided rather than going all in or rather than standing pat, they were going to buy and they were going to sell. I mean, uh, the Reds. The Reds, who are very much at the periphery, uh, yeah. acquired Trevor Bauer, who's here for this year and next. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that trade in a minute. Yeah. Because that was a fascinating trade. That's fascinating. We could talk about the trade now. Yeah. Well, we're talking about teams that bought sell. Okay. The Reds. The, the Giants, uh, yeah. they traded away most of their bullpen, but they... Uh, you know, Pomeranz and Black and uh, Dyson and Gerard, uh, Sam Dyson uh, and Melanson and Melanson. So uh-huh. that's a lot of their bullpen, but they kept Will Smith mm-hmm. and they kept Madison Bumgarner and they uh, added Scooter, Scooter Jeanette, who is uh, a pure rental. Yeah. Uh, so and that's, that was fascinating to me. Yeah. And then you have teams like the Mets who aren't necessarily contending this year, getting Marcus Stroman. Right. Um, and that was also an interesting trade. I think the Blue Jays got a little scared and pulled the trigger before they needed to. Yeah. I um, mean, Ross Atkins sort of uh, dissembles today just talking about how he acquired 42 years of control for 14 years I want to get that shirt. That is – oh, my God. It's just <laughs> – yeah. I mean, you could get 42 years of control, but if the seven players you got are a pile of dog shit. Yeah. Not but exactly. Control. Yes. Um. Yeah, so let's talk about the Bauer trade. Sure. So a week ago, two weeks ago, everyone's like, ah, you need to change Trevor Bauer. Man, they're ridiculous. They're they're just trying to cut salary. They might be, but they got a good return, I think. Well, I mean, I think, I, two things happened yes. in the intermediate there. I mean, yes, the, the actual trade happened, which did not look like a sell trade. No. Uh, and before that, <laughs> Trevor Bauer decided to go all tan- – Child, yeah, toddler on a tantrum and take the baseball and chuck it over the center field fence at Kaufman, uh, and everyone in the dugout just seemed completely done with him. Yeah, and I, it, the team was done. Frank Conner was done. He couldn't. He couldn't handle. I think he said today something along the lines where he's like, um, you know, I couldn't look at that club, bring him back to the clubhouse, and expect him to respect me, or something along the lines of that. Um. So, and they got, you know, they had a hole in the outfield. They got two good power outfielders. You know, power was a big issue. Carlos Santana led the team in home runs. For, I mean, that's the not, point. he's got a lot of home runs. How many does he have? I don't remember, but he's, but, he's yeah. in the, uh, he's, he was in the home run derby. It's not as though he's. No, I mean, they put him in the home run derby because he led the team in home runs. Yeah, but he's he also, like 20. he's also had a really good resurgent year. Yeah. But the the but problem the pro- is not with Santana. No, it's a, with their outfield. Yeah. I mean, so now they're outfield. Oscar Mercado, uh, who's been really good since he got called up. Right. Um, Yasiel Puig, who has you know struggled at times this year, but you know when he's hot, he's hot. Right. And then Franmil Reyes, who they who they got in the trade. I mean, Reyes is a limited player. They also got prospects. They also yeah. got Logan Allen, who's sort of a a fringe three four starter type guy, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple other prospects who aren't really worth talking about. Uh, but. Uh, they they remade their outfield on the fly. Yeah, uh, they traded from a strength. 
They traded depending from Depending on – well, it, they had to make this trade now without knowing really how Kluber will be when he comes back, how um, Carrasco will be when he comes back. If he comes if back. If he comes back. How Danny Sal- Salazar is now back. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first time in, in two years from arm issues. They have no idea what they're going to get from him. Yeah. And they need something from all three of those guys yeah. now that they've traded. So it's not – I don't know that they traded from a strength, but they traded it from a position that could possibly be yeah. a strength. Well, they also still have Shane Bieber, who's been great this year, and Mike Clevenger, who's been great this year. But that's two pitchers. Yeah, and if one of Carrasco, Kluber – and uh, two of them. If two or the three if, are usable, yeah. And I think okay. I, I I think Kluber will come back. I know he was struggling before. His I don't put much stock injury. in that. Yeah, yeah. But I don't put much. I think Kluber will come back and be the same pitcher. Uh, Carrasco. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be the same pitcher. Well, he's. I mean, there's a stamina issue. It's hard to work back yeah. up from cancer. That's what. That's what I was gonna say. You know, unless he's. But um. I can see them still being one – if those guys kind of come back into almost a form, I can see them being a real threat in the American League. I mean, listen, the, the outfielders they got were – they're good and they're certainly better than whatever they had. But they're flawed players. I mean, Puig yeah. is Puig prone is, we, to we cold streaks. Yeah. We, pl- prone to – yeah, he's got uh, – you know, he's, he's a very good player when he is hot. Mm-hmm. And the other times he can look like the worst player on the planet. Framil Reyes, tons of pop, low OBP, very slow foot in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a DH. He's a DH who they will need to play the outfield for some time. Uh, well, they had a hole at DH. Yeah. So well, they could put him at DH. They did. Uh, and that's probably what he'll do. He'll split time in right field and DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave away, obviously, Bauer. And then the Padres... Obviously, have inserted themselves into the deal, uh, basically trading Franmil Reyes and a couple and Logan Allen, uh, and a couple of prospects who were blocked, well, like Victor Nova, he was right. blocked in the middle infield or in the corner infield, right? Third and short. they they did that, and they uh, they got themselves Taylor Trammell, which I I frankly like. I like Trammell a lot. Uh, I don't know. I see a Manuel Margot situation with Trammell. Trammell, Trammell. Excuse me. I called him Trammell. Yeah, apparently, he uh, he likes to tell people he's Alan Trammell's nephew, <laughs> which I think is pretty great. Yeah, but uh, I mean, great personality from all I can tell. Yeah, and listen, I I scout players based on what I've seen of them, and I've seen Trammell in two futures games, uh, and you know my sort of negative-ish opinion on Carter Keyboom comes from uh, a futures game and. Uh, Two weeks in the majors. Two weeks in the majors, which is probably, I mean, you know, I trust Rizzo's evaluation of him more than I trust my own, although I have some serious issues with what I saw. But that's, I mean, anyway. Yeah, I'm ranting here. But the point is that I called this a good old fashioned baseball trade yesterday, and I stand by that. I think that this is one of those trades where every single team was trying to improve. Uh, and it, or at the very least, not making decisions solely based on cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Padres, what they gave up were young, cost-controllable players. To get a young, cost-controllable player, they valued more highly, uh, which is fine. fine. Yeah, it makes sense. The, they, I mean, they needed to get rid of Reyes. He was There's a log jam in left field for them. Right. Reyes needed to go to the AL. Logan Allen, they have a lot of pitchers. 
Right. Uh, and a lot of them are going to come up next year. Yeah. And, and they need to get rid of Allen. So, and then Nova, they had a log jam on the left side of the infield. Right. So I all mean, these guys were expendable and they got themselves a pretty good prospect, depending on who you ask. Right. And then, uh, you know, the Indians, this, this deal was pretty much salary neutral for this year. Obviously, the, the big reason they moved Bauer was they didn't want to pay him 20 odd million dollars next year. That mm-hmm. means a giant prick. But, uh, I mean, I, I have no fault with anyone in this trade. No, I, I really I, like this trade. I really do. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting yeah. deal. But again, I think every p- team that made a trade, I don't think there was a bad trade for either side in really any of these. They were all pretty I'd understandable. I'd say maybe the, the Jays traded Stroman. Yeah, that's the was, worst trade. That's the worst trade of the trade deadline. I mean, they I, I think they just got nervous. I think they just kind of pulled the trigger too quickly. But I think, the, I mean, the Mets really made out like bandits with that trade. I think... They were one of the biggest winners, I'd say. Um, I mean, the, the interesting thing was... I think, yeah. There cool. weren't... A lot of the starting pitchers you expected to be moved weren't mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, Tanner Roark was moved uh, to Oakland. Mike Leake was moved. Uh, Granky, who people really, I don't think, expected to be moved. Although, I, you know... I think with that salary was just people yeah. that think it's going to get moved. Well, the salary in the 15-team no-trade clause uh-huh. uh, thought... People, people thought that that wasn't going to end up happening, uh, but it did. Uh, and I think, I mean, if you look at the return on the Granky deal, it doesn't appear that uh, the low offer that the Jays accepted affected the market at all. No. Uh, so it's it's sort of interesting. It, it looked like they were having discussions about. Uh, Stroman got spooked by the low offers and then moved too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, the Mets did pretty well at this deadline. Yeah, other I was than, saying that. I mean, other than not trading Wheeler, which they I, didn't have to because they didn't extend him a qualifying offer, he might accept. I don't know that they'll accept him a qual or throw. I mean, if you look at how badly he's pitched this year, it's not uh, terrible. Four six ERA, it's not great. Yeah, this in this run environment, in this economy, seriously though. No, seriously though, for in this economy. Yeah, true. I mean, um, any, but yeah, so they could have gotten rid of Wheeler. My guess was they weren't getting anything close to what they want, so they decided and eh, keep him. Which fine. I don't think they would have gotten a. They might have gotten one decent prospect, maybe. Yeah, it, it's it probably not wasn't that big a deal. It. It's not that big a deal. No, it's not going to change your franchise's future. No. Um, but getting strong. I uh, listen. The yeah. Mets, the Mets have talent on their roster. If yep. everything didn't go all Metsy, I mean, Cespedes will be back next year. Well, and we don't know where he'll be, but he'll yeah. be Cespedes. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, he'll have the name on the jersey at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could certainly contend next year. I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised that they aren't this year. Yeah. Uh, considering every single thing went worst case scenario on them, except for Alonzo and McNeil. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's. But I think I mean between them, I mean the Phillies didn't do anything really of note. Uh, they got Jason Vargas, who's whatever. He was terrible last year. He's been mediocre this yeah. year. They got um, uh, they got Corey Dickerson from the Pirates for TBD. Uh, cash considerations, I think, or play to be named later, one of the two. Yeah. Um, nothing exciting. Nothing exciting. I mean, the Mets did, did well. We improved, I guess. We yeah. did improve. We did improve. Uh, Braves improved. Yeah. 
improve their bullpen, yeah. which they desperately needed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at, yeah, again, any team that made a trade improved, but that brings us to the teams that didn't make a trade. Right. Uh, and I think the biggest loser of the deadline is the Yankees. I think they needed a starting pitcher. They desperately needed a starting pitcher. Uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, they've been struggling because their starting pitching has been so bad. Tanaka has been very bad. He hasn't made it. You know, Sabathia's hurt. Sabathia's hurt. Been Hap's, bad. Hap's been bad. I mean, it's it's uh, Paxton hasn't been that great. No, Paxton leads the league in first ho- inning home runs given up. Yeah, and you know you're hopeful that Severino can come back, but they might yeah, have to put him in the bullpen because they uh, don't know if they can stretch him out in time. Right. So you need a starting pitcher, and your biggest competition in the AAL, the Astros, got a lot better, and they got a starting pitcher. And so you, they definitely got passed, and I really see them losing steam heading into the playoffs. You know, they, their bullpen, they were looking to relief arms. They didn't end up getting anyone. But their bullpen can only do so much if the lead is, if they're already down six by the time they get the ball. Well, um, listen. With they, that offense, yeah. They've got an offense to match. They've got a very deep bullpen. Once we get to October... We don't know how this thing is going to work out. Yeah, they may only need four or five innings in their starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, they're still a very dangerous team. They are, and they're they going. They're wrong. going to win the division. Uh, yeah. They are. I mean, the Red Sox also didn't get any better. No, and the Red Sox were up against the sort of more punitive competitive balance tax. All of this is nonsense anyway. But they were. Uh, concerned about going forty million over and seeing ninety two and a half percent tax bracket, which again is misleading, but whatever. Uh, so they were looking at cost neutral trades and ended up doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even sort of as the team responded and had themselves a very good week to get themselves back in the conversation. Uh, I know that ten days prior, a couple play, couple uh, local. Boston area reporters are wondering if the team might sell, uh, but they uh, they did nothing at the deadline. Uh, so the Yankees and Red Sox did nothing. The Rays Do- moved a bunch of chess pieces yeah. around as they love to do. I mean, the Dodgers did nothing, but I don't think for them it matters as much as for the Yankees or Red Sox. I think the Dodgers are still the best team in the NL, and it's still not even that close. I think. no, oh no, it's not close at all. No. They're clearly the best team. Pretty yeah. much the rest of the NL is, is garbage, except for maybe the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Dodgers have been burned in the past by uh, getting the bridge to Kenley Jansen. And with Jansen looking shakier than ever this year, they really needed uh, another another reliever uh, or two. Uh, and I'm surprised that they didn't didn't get one. Yeah. But, and they uh, got one. They got what's his name from the race. Um, excuse me. Uh, they got Adam Clark. So, sure. sure. It's not anything good. Yeah, Clark is pretty good. They've got a bunch of hard throwing relief arms. Yeah. I don't know. I never know what's going on with the Rays. You know, they've got a bajillion interchangeable parts. They got a billion people where they say they're going to revolutionize the game and they trade them. That's how it works for them. Well, no. I mean, that's the whole concept. <laughs> a million interchangeable pieces revolutionizing the game, making each individual player meaningless. Exactly. That's the raise. Yep. Do not care for them. No. But anyway, since we're rambling here, uh, yeah, I, I the, forgot what the original point the, was. The Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers. Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers. I mean, it's just weird. Them. They're just, you know, you don't, then those three teams are teams you expect to be. 
biggest spenders, biggest buyers, and they just held on to their prospects. I don't like the cross with the Yankees, especially. I don't like the cross. I mean, I'm going to cross sports analogies here, but they remind me of the Celtics a lot, the Boston Celtics, where they hang on to their assets for too long and they create these log jams and, you know, they, they overvalue their own guys. I don't know. It's worked out for them pretty well so far. Yeah, no, they definitely have a lot of talent, but they they need to get rid of some talent. Being a good general manager is a combination of free agent signings, knowing your guys, and also making trades. And yes, they've had a lot of success this year. I mean, Cashman's been one of the best GMs of all time. Um, but helps to have the resources he's had. In his of course, of course, but, but he's still a fantastic GM. Yeah, I mean, and the the amount, the ability that he's shown, especially this year. At finding to, people. Yeah. Just yeah. finding guys. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have Clint Frazier, who you guys hate, and he and you have a log jam in the outfield, and you're not calling him up. And so why not and there's teams that are gonna want him, especially like the Indians who needed outfield help. I think that Frazier has seen his value diminish this year, especially as people have realized that his bad outfield defense is probably not a fluke. Mm. Uh I mean, a poor, a poor defending right fielder is not worth all that much. But uh, I mean, yeah, I think you're right that the Yankees should have made moves and they should have been willing to part with prospects. I know that they were super protective over Davy Garcia, who you know has great stuff, but he's also five eight and he's also you know he's a question mark. He's a prospect. Prospects are all question marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am surprised that they didn't. Uh, you know, take a more aggressive approach to the deadline. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're still a very good team. And, you know, I don't want to crown the Astros here because we're talking about them having to get through uh, two rounds of playoff series because they're going to win the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are six or seven good teams in the AL. Yeah. Like very good teams who could probably beat them in a playoff series. I don't know that I would favor anyone over the Astros, but you know, this is baseball. Crazy things happen. I'd I mean, say the, that even if you're going to say the the Astros are the nominal favorites to win the World Series, I'd put their odds at 20% at best. Uh, or maybe 25. That's not good. This isn't this isn't basketball. This isn't the sport where, you know, prior to, say, this year, you, know, you could say the Warriors had about a 50 or 60% chance even before a single, you know, game was played at winning the NBA championship. Sport isn't like that, uh, for better and for worse. You know, you could make the argument that it's for worse in that the best team doesn't always win the championship. But that's the system we have. Yeah. Uh, so I think this ended up being a very fun trade deadline. It did. And I was skeptical. I was very skeptical. I was skeptical up until four o'clock. Um, but I think this is going to create, you know, now with no August trade deadline, it's going to, you know, I like that the players have to stick with their teams longer. I like that there's, you know, a definitive end and that you can't kind of hold on. I think they'll push it back next year to the 15th. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the, they, they push it back or that they. I the agree aspect. with you that they might push it back. I disagree that they should. Yeah. I just the only problem I have with this is I don't know the difference. I don't know what the difference will do. No, I don't know what the, all the knock on effects would be. I thought mm-hmm. that there would be more depth trades, uh, and there were a lot today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hadn't been before, but a lot of teams 
sort of moved some pieces around to get depth at positions where they were weaker. Uh, I think that the thing that most concerns me about this is that there's no procedure now if someone gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, and that just, like, you could lose someone on August 1st and be SOL. I, I don't love that. Uh, I think that, you know, I don't know how you fix that, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could, you know, use the same rules that you do for uh, for adding someone to a playoff roster if you've acquired them after September 1st, if they're uh, replacing someone who had a serious injury and played the same position, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I just, that that whole concept of having someone get hurt on August 1st and having absolutely no recourse, especially for a team like the Nats. You know, if Trey Turner gets hit by a truck tomorrow, the Nats are not going anywhere. Uh, Stay out of traffic, Trey. Yeah, well, I think that's it for us this week. A little long. A little long, but we had a lot to talk about. It was an exciting day. Um, We'll be back on Sunday with our regularly scheduled program. Until then, enjoy your week. Bye-bye.